Welcome to Sustainable Futures, the sustainability podcast from Kantar, the world's leading marketing data and analytics company. In each episode, we speak with senior experts from a wide range of disciplines to bring broad understanding to complex topic areas and shine a light on the most pressing sustainability issues facing business and marketing, all designed to help marketers create sustainable futures for brands and business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Cantor's Sustainable Transformation Webinar. My name is Valeria Piaggio. I'm Global Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Cantor, and I will be your host today. Cantor is a world-leading data and consulting business, and the sustainable transformation practice works at the intersection of brands, people, and sustainability. Today's topic will be on tackling gender stereotypes within marketing so that we can learn how brands can move forward with more progressive portrayal of people. I'm delighted to introduce you to one of the most salient champions of inclusion today, Sarah Demby. She's the head of the Unstereotype Alliance at UN Women. And this is an industry-led initiative that convened UN Women that unites advertising industry leaders, decision makers, creatives, with the goal of ending harmful stereotypes in advertising. Cantor is a proud member of the Alliance and has been embedding the unstereotype metric in all the advertising testing we do. Together, we will delve into the role of brands in social change, discuss gender bias, define things such as positive or healthy masculinity, and we'll discuss how to apply best practices in advertising and media. So you are off to a great conversation. Sarah, you have a long trajectory in marketing and advertising, and you're leading an amazing organization that drives positive change in society. Can you share with our audience what are the things you're most proud of about the work you do at the UN Women and Stereotype Alliance. Thanks, Valeria, and thanks so much for having me on today. Um, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and I love talking about the Unstereotype Alliance. So in terms of what I'm most proud of, I think, you know, we just celebrated our sixth anniversary at Cannes Lions in June, which is where we were we were launched all those years ago, which is actually, you know, a very short period of time. But we started with 24 member organizations and we've now got 240 members across the globe, which includes our 12 national chapters across five continents. So yeah, it's been a really sharp trajectory of growth, which we're super proud of, but I think it just shows the level of consciousness and passion and commitment across the industry with everyone really recognizing the power and potential for using advertising as a force for good. And the fact that that resonates across the globe, you know, because stereotypes are culturally driven. We can't take a one-size-fits-all approach to addressing them. So our national chapters are super important to driving that change on the ground, but we truly have a global community of practice if we want to use that terminology. I call it solidarity and activism across the globe in order to drive 
positive social change that affects all of us. So it's been really exciting and gratifying to see how that's grown. But it's not just about size, it's about impact as well. You know, we've been tackling stereotypes in all corners of the world in a number of ways, not just the work we produce, but we've embedded unstereotyped judging criteria across the world's largest advertising awards and the growing awareness of our mandate, which is so important when it comes to dismantling harmful stereotypes that that hold society back. And we've been really agile during that phase of growth as well. And we're far from our full growth. I hope we continue to double and triple in size. Uh, But, you know, we started with a focus on eliminating gender-based stereotypes, which wouldn't surprise you being convened by UN Women. And while gender still remains core, because we all sit somewhere on the spectrum, 2021, we formally expanded our mandate and and opened the aperture of you like to tackle all stereotypes, which is reflected in the intersectional lens we take to all of our work. So it's been a big six years and, and yeah, I'm enormously proud of what we've managed to build and achieve. That's so brilliant. Thank you. We're so lucky to have you. I can't think of a better person to talk about this topic. And you mentioned your work is focused on disrupting stereotypes, which takes me to The first topic about the responsibility of brands in social change. Our research at Kantar shows that people expect brands to make society fairer. And one of the key findings in our first brand inclusion index is that brands have a social and commercial responsibility to be more inclusive. So my question to you is, why is progressive storytelling so important? And what is that responsibility that brands have today? Yeah, I think the most important things to recognize is that business can't thrive if the society around it is failing, right? And when we're so off track with achieving the sustainable development goals, it's in a brand's best interest to help fast track that progress. So this is why so many brands are paying attention to things like the climate crisis and the geopolitical situation and social inequities and the gender pay gap. The gender pay gap alone is is a major issue for brands if you consider that by 2028, it's forecast that women will control 75% of all discretionary spending. So if these are the things that affect consumers, they affect a business's bottom line. They're a bigger concern for brands than the P&L right now. But in terms of the responsibility of brands today, it's not just a case of the bottom line or being good corporate citizens. It's become an issue of consumer expectation. And as you say, consumers are not holding back and expressing that expectation and that demand of of the brands that they invest in. But I think when we look at social change, you know, business leaders have always been community leaders and they still are. And in fact, 55% of people believe that business takes more of a leadership role in solving societal problems versus just 44% believing the same thing of, of governments, which is a real shift. So you may well ask, how does all of this string together and what does social change have to do with progressive storytelling and certainly with advertising? So I guess as the Unstereotype Alliance and certainly as UN Women stepping in as conveners of this global movement, We recognize that one of the key barriers to progress in any society is harmful social norms. 
central to which are stereotypes. And stereotypes stand back to back with discrimination to diminish and disregard entire groups of people. And that has real life consequences, you know, like reduced education and employment opportunities, poor economic and health outcomes, discriminatory policy decisions, and denial of individual rights, including bodily autonomy. So ultimately, stereotypes create harmful norms that really contravene the right to live a fully empowered and decent life. So there's a real urgency to change how we see each other and to build our communities so that we're all empowered and represented with respect. And when we think about what influences our view of the world, advertising and the media play such a pivotal role in shaping the world we see and imagine around us. It's a really far-reaching ecosystem. You find it in every corner of the globe. And it's always been about aspiration and influencing behavior. But currently, the way our communities are represented in advertising just isn't a reflection, an accurate reflection, I should say, in the advertising that we see. So unfortunately, stereotypes can be one of the most common defaults employed in advertising content to quickly land an idea or a character, which can exercise enormous harm when you consider the scale and reach of that advertising content. It's so important to understand that portrayals shape perceptions. It's not something that brands can be regressive or thoughtless about. You know, brands have a very real responsibility here. So what if we were to use the power of advertising as a force for good? You know, this is the question we, we put to ourselves. What if we were to leverage progressive storytelling and depict positive representation of all people in all their diversity in order to drive positive social change and perceptions. And that's what the Unstereotype Alliance is working to achieve. That is so amazing in terms of a call to action. What if? So based on what you are seeing over you know, the last few years, and you were at Can Lion 2023, you saw the work, where do you think we are as an industry? in terms of positive portrayal of people? What is the state of the stereotypes we are seeing in advertising today? Have we made any progress? Yeah, we've definitely made made progress and we measure that in a number of ways from three main perspectives I guess the, the work itself the workplace and the community and um, we have several indicators for progress almost all of which we produce with Canter. so the first of those I guess is since 2019 the alliance has been tracking portrayals of people in advertising content through our gender unstereotype metric and Canter holds that database of incredibly potent and insightful norms. The gender and stereotype metric is a single measure question that any advertiser can use in their pre or post market testing of their ad content. And we've seen consistent improvements in unstereotype alliance members metric scores. You know, overall women have become more prominent in global advertising. They have more speaking roles and more leading roles in advertising stories. And members of the Alliance have actually outperformed non-Alliance members and stereotype metric scores quite consistently since we started tracking. And we'd, we'd like to, to put that down to the, the tools and the principles that we've embedded across the membership. But in fact, our members in 2022 scored 
three percentage points higher on average than non-members in terms of those progressive gender portrayals in advertising. But our meta-analysis captures all ad characteristics, obviously, and we measure a lot of other things when we're testing ads, and, and it showed that there are areas where greater attention is needed, particularly regarding intersectional representation, which is why we've just launched the progressive unstereotype metric and a number of other tools which all measure portrayals of race, ethnicity, age and ability. In terms of the workplace and progress in the workplace, we produce the State of the Industry report each year, which is another indication of our collective progress. And it measures year-on-year developments in diversity, equity and inclusion across the industry. So those who make the work, really. This stemmed from discussions in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, if, there, if you recall, the ad industry had a real awakening in terms of the job that needed to be done to really drive diversity and inclusion across the industry and, of course, equity as we're embedding that. And so we said at the time, we're going to hold you accountable. And consumers said the same thing. We're going to make sure that you walk this talk. And so year on year, we do exactly that in our state of the industry report. You know, how are we enacting these promises and pledges that we made in 2020? And it's been impressive to see the work that has been done. There's still a long way to go. But it's been really impressive to see how brands have committed and stepped up across their workforce, across a number of different indicators in terms of driving that. You know, I always say diversity is a recruitment issue, inclusion is a retention issue, and equity is a human rights issue. And brands have a responsibility and an interest in achieving all of those things to retain good talent that, that then um, pays off in terms of the work that their brand produces and how that goes to market, how they engage with consumers. But we're still seeing that, you know, underrepresented groups are rarely depicted in advertising content and certainly not with progressive authenticity. And that's because we still need to drive the level of diversity and inclusion across the workforce that produces it. So we've made good inroads, but we're not there yet. And we really do need to move faster to build and promote more inclusive workplace cultures. I think, though, the third piece is where we've kind of swung the spotlight this year. And, and as you mentioned, you know, that's one of the things we were doing at Can Lions this year was launching our first public awareness campaign. So we need to understand that we need to shift consumer and community perceptions as well. And one of the ways we track and monitor that is our gender equality attitude study, which is a biennial perceptions-based study that examines people's attitudes towards gender across a variety of different topics, such as work, family life, leadership, politics, etc. And it's conducted currently with Kantar across 20 countries. The next iteration will add another cohort of 10 countries. So it really helps us to understand how stereotypes and attitudes are manifesting in our communities. And the insights we glean from that report really inform the work that we do on the ground. So where we've made progress, where we need to shift the needle on a per country basis, which is so important and where there are areas of concern that, as an alliance, we need to bring into sharp focus. The work of the Unstereotype Alliance is so inspiring. There are so many, I'm sure, hearing this, ready to make the commitment. The question is, how do you break the stereotypes and with them bias? How can we shift storytelling 
in order to ensure that positive portrayal of people? There isn't a short answer to that, but there are a couple of ways that we approach it as an alliance and then as human beings in our communities. So as the alliance, we focus our work across three core pillars, as I mentioned, to eradicate stereotypes in advertising. So we do that first off by working to achieve unstereotyped advertising content. So that in a nutshell encapsulates depicting and portraying people as empowered actors refraining from objectifying people and portraying progressive and multi-dimensional personalities. I know you spoke with the WFA recently about their fantastic guide to eradicate bias from advertising. That is um, a piece of work that we hold hands on, we contributed to, and it's baked into our approach as well. The second pillar though for us is, as I said, fostering diversity, equity and inclusion in the workplace because who makes the work is who shows up in the work and if we are ever to represent the communities we serve authentically in our work so that they recognize and see themselves then we have to have those voices around the table right from inception. So our members foster an unstereotyped culture in their workplace by things like driving gender balance in senior leadership and creative roles in every other part of the organization, by directly addressing unconscious bias, diversity and inclusion through training across their workplace. And then as an alliance, as well as in-house, you know, we challenge each other to deliver the best unstereotyped marketing content. We hold each other accountable and set clear goals and measure progress, but we also measure best practice or, or share best practice rather. And one of the most valuable learnings that our members are so generous in sharing is what didn't work. And bearing in mind, you know, some of these members are competitors every other day of the week. In fact, a lot of them are, but we leave competition at the door, which can sound naive from a, no, from a commercial perspective. Um, <laughs> but as the great. UN, you know, that's something that we insist on as conveners because we really are all around the table to achieve our shared objectives. And so it's, I say generous because it really is, you know, this is understanding the private sector and, and everyone's got a business to run. Sharing with your peers what didn't work, how something went wrong, but then more importantly, what you did to course correct, what lessons you learned, how you do it differently next time, what you wouldn't do next time is enormously valuable and I think really shows the level of maturity, quite frankly, in terms of using advertising as a force for good and coming together as an industry in solidarity, realizing and recognizing the power and influence that they have, but genuinely wanting to, to do good through their work. So it is impressive. And then the third pillar, as I mentioned, is empowering public action against stereotypes. So we, we recognize that driving social change and, and influencing social norms, one ad campaign at a time is what you might call a slow burn strategy. So this year we really started to focus our attention on mobilizing public action and, and we, we launched our first B2C campaign at Cannes on the main stage, uh, which is called Say Nothing, Change Nothing. And this campaign was really designed to highlight that we all as individuals can work to eradicate stereotypes. We have to be upstanders, not bystanders when we see them in action. 
But again, we prefaced that work with research and insights. And we know that, you know, 73% of people that we surveyed across a number of countries told us that they regularly see or hear stereotyping around them. And I'm sure we can all relate to that. But only one in three people say that they will speak up and object to it when it happens or, or do anything about it. And when we dove into why they don't speak up, half of them said they don't speak up or disagree when they see someone using a negative stereotype because they don't want to escalate the situation or they don't know what to say. So that for us really cast light on, on a need for education. There was a real gap in terms of knowledge on how to take a constructive stand against stereotypes. So again, we collaborated with our membership and we created a guide called Unstereotype 101, which you can find at break-stereotypes.org. And I really do encourage you to, to go and download it. And there's lots of great content on that site. But Unstereotype 101 contains a lot of practical examples and ways that you can safely and constructively speak up and intervene when you see stereotypes in action. So these are just some of the levers that we can pull to break stereotypes. But what is critical to mention here is that if we really want to drive fast and meaningful progress, we need to have the data to understand where we need to place greatest attention, and then we have to measure change consistently. So, you know, some rules always apply, don't they? Yeah. When you look at the data you're talking about, are there specific areas marketers and advertisers should be focusing on? So that needle does shift, as I mentioned, which is why it's so important for us to track our progress and impact at a nuanced market level. But what we've been looking at a lot lately is the portrayal of men and boys in advertising, which may come as a surprise from, from UN women. But this insight is born from the Gender Equality Attitude Study and the fact that our latest report revealed younger men's attitudes towards gender are regressing far more than older men. So, you know, the assumption that traditional views about gender roles is dying out with older generations is simply not true. And this was a real sit up moment for us. You know, it was staggering when we, just to give you a couple of examples that consistently across 20 countries, 58% of young men aged 16 to 19 believe that men are better political leaders than women. 50% believe it's natural for men to earn more than women. And 53% of young men aged 16 to 19 believe that women should work less and devote more time to caring for their families. And I think most disturbingly, one in four young men believe that there are acceptable instances to hit a partner or spouse. And I guess when we're looking at the parallels to that or what else is happening and what the other indicators were across the study, more than two thirds of people, 68% of all respondents, women and men, I'm afraid it is quite a binary study at this point, but we are looking to develop that design. But 68% of all respondents believe that the media still portrays women in traditional roles. So as wife, mother, caregiver, and 72% of respondents believe that men are still depicted in traditional roles, so business leaders, providers, decision makers. And that's actually corroborated by the unstereotype metric findings that showed that only 8% of ads that we measured in 2020 
2022. And this is arguably a database of some of the most progressive content in the global advertising industry. Only 8% shows men and women in non-traditional roles. This is fascinating and very relatable to some of the social conversations we hear today. The Barbie movie and the conversations that it generated is a good example of that, right? How it portrayed gender roles and specifically how they handled the portrayal of young men. What is your perspective? How do you think they handled that? The Barbie movie has just been such a... <laughs> A gift of a conversation, I think, from a really unexpected quarter. You know, we actually welcome the conversation that it sparked. There's been a lot of pushback by, I note, people that haven't even bothered to see the movie in terms of the portrayal of Ken in particular and, and how they hear and believe men were depicted. And so it sparked some really interesting conversations, which we've been asked to comment on often. I think the important thing to note is you know, obviously the Barbie movie is a satirical take on male and female stereotypes, but it's not one that we often see in, in mainstream entertainment. And that's why we welcome the conversation. I think the other thing, though, is that, you know, there's been a lot of confusion about the patriarchy, which is discussed a lot and almost used as a metaphor in the movie, and masculinity, portrayals of masculinity. They're not the same thing. Patriarchy has always been a tool of oppression. Masculinity is not. But there is many ways that masculinity can and should be depicted. And the fact is we're still not depicting them in a variety and diversity of ways. And we know that that is causing real harm. So at a kind of superficial level, I think that's what we saw Ken's quandary going from, you know, his resolute masculine Kennedy to recognizing that he is Knuff, even though and there's more to him than just beat. I mean, it was humorous the way it was approached, but actually the themes that underpin it and the insecurity that we saw on screen is a really legitimate portrayal of what a lot of young men are going through. You know, and we see that in the statistics. We know from talking with our partners like New Macho at BBD Perfect Storm in the UK and Movember, who we do a lot of work with, and in fact, our sister program here at UN Women, He for She, there is a desperate need to focus on healthy masculinities in advertising and media content because if we look over time, it's actually become narrower and more reductive in terms of what it means to be a successful man in today's society. Women are used to reductive gender-biased portrayals of us and the role that we hold in society. And we've been pushing back against that for a long time, decades and decades. And a real aha moment for me, and I will come back to Ken and Barbie, but a real aha <laughs> moment for me was the advertising industry has peddled women's insecurities about beauty for decades and made a lot of money out of it. And in fact, this was a theme of the Barbie movie, right? It was the big speech that America Ferreira's character gave uh, about the pressures that have been on women. And a large part of that revolves around their role in society, but also 
unrealistic beauty standards and measures that we're supposed to achieve. And we have vocally been pushing back against that. So increasingly you see a number of brands announce that they no longer retouch their imagery. They are engaging a diversity of body shapes and age and ability in their advertising, certainly diverse race and ethnicity. There has been a real concentration of how women are portrayed in advertising in a more empowered and diverse way and more realistic way. Men, not so much. In fact, the portrayal of men has been slammed into reverse in recent years. And we're actually talking about this at Ad Week next week. When we look at the imagery of men and how they're being portrayed in advertising, you'll see that they are more chiseled, more naked, more emotionless. And this comes down to the fact that it's not depictions of beauty that are leveraged against men in advertising, it's depictions of success. What does it mean to be a successful man? How do you know when you've made it? What are you supposed to look like as a man? You know, you're supposed to have money, fast cars, lots of women, and it's all very heteronormative, right? So, you know, the LGBTIQ plus community is still woefully underrepresented in advertising. So it's no real wonder that when we look at statistics in society, the impact this has had on young men's mental health, on their attitudes towards their role and their place in society. We see their suicide rates have gone up, their level of withdrawing into themselves, of having more emboldened lives online than out in society and at real face-to-face exchanges with people. There is a real lack of identity there. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is, especially in online spaces, really predatory manfluences stepping into that gap where young men really need diverse role models. They need positive role models. They need positive depictions of the many different ways that they can be a successful, empowered, expressive, emotional, caregiving, loving man in healthy relationships. And I think, quite honestly, that is the evolution that we saw Ken go through in the Barbie movie. And it's a point that it very empathetically made at the end. The patriarchy doesn't work for anyone. And he is Kenneth. That's going to be a very popular sweatshirt. I've seen it already going around some college campuses. I am Kenneth. But as you pointed out at the beginning, the Stereotype Alliance is not just about gender, but about eradicating all harmful stereotypes. So what's next? And how can advertisers, marketers effectively eradicate all stereotypes to eliminate bias in society? Wouldn't that be a great day? You know, my my ultimate aim is to be out of a job. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, the, that's the big objective, right, is to have this so inherent and so intuitive in our work and how we put it together. And I, when I say we, I use the royal we. Uh, I had 18 years in the advertising industry and, and still think in terms of the contribution and, and amazing potential that we can achieve as an industry. And UN Women as conveners of the alliance still, we you know, we're very much at the table and very aligned with the necessity and the urgency of this approach. But yeah, I'd love to reach the day where there's no longer a need for us to exist. We've still got a way to go, as we've said, a long way to go. And, you know, it's not just a case of putting more women in ads or showing men doing the laundry. You know, that's where we were quite a few years ago. When we think about representation, we can't just focus on one characteristic of a person's identity. Everything 
intersects with gender identities, but those experiences all vary enormously depending on our race, our ethnicity, our age. Do we live with a disability? Is that a visible disability or an invisible one? Do we belong to a certain religion? Are there cultural norms that we have to tackle at a, at a local level or, or have to live with at a local level and live with for now till we drive change there as well? We have to take an intersectional approach and it does vary all around the world and there are many different instances and realities that have to be navigated. So we're realistic about that. But in order to do that on a case-by-case -case basis, we have a framework called the three Ps. And the three Ps are presence, perspective, and personality. And that was developed specifically for the advertising industry and creatives and marketers to consider at every step of the way how people are portrayed in stories, which people are portrayed in stories, and it provokes questions throughout creative development. So in a nutshell, you know, presence has you thinking about who is represented in the ad. And if we say, well, it's a woman, it's a man, which men, which women, what race are they? Where do they live? Are they a certain religion? Are they a certain body type? Should we consider a, a different level of ability, etc.? So be really intentional about who is in the ad. And then perspective, whose story are we telling? Who is the protagonist of the piece? And then how does that influence the way the story is told? How can we deliver that in a more progressive way? And then the third P, personality, is what is their agency in the ad? You know, who's driving this story and what do they bring to it? What do they add to it? Are they a regressive character in the background? Because not everyone can be the star, right? But are they a regressive character in the background or are they contributing to and driving the story? And then, you know, again, there's the layer of stereotypes being culturally driven. So we need to this harps back to my earlier point about data and measurement and, and insights. We need to understand what's working and resonating at a local level per market, per sector. So research and measurement is key. And that's why we encourage all of our members to test their advertising. And I wouldn't just say this on a Cantar podcast. <laughs> that is absolutely true. You know, data underpins everything we do. Evidence of impact ensures our existence. So it's super important to continue continue to research and, and measure what we treasure. So I guess what I would say in terms of how do we know we're having impact, I mean, think about who you're testing it with. Are your focus groups and your quant panels representative of all the communities you serve? Does everyone have a voice at every step of the process? Are you undermining your brand with regressive representations of certain people or are they invisible altogether, which is the other thing to keep a careful check of. And if you've got the right people around the table, they will call you on that. They recognize when they're not on screen or they're not being represented in an authentic way. And it's, it's a learning experience as much as it is a preservation tactic, really. So how will you know? If you don't have the right people at the table, right, from ideation through to delivery through to your media buy, you need to ensure that you've got the communities you serve involved at every step of the way. That in itself is going to help us enormously as an alliance and as an industry to see where we're making progress and what areas need our greatest attention. 
Thank you so much, Sarah, for such powerful, inspiring messages. I'm sure everyone listening to you today will go back to work questioning the way they do their work, how can be better positioning portrayals of people around the world. This has been an amazing conversation with Sarah Denby, head of the Stereotype Alliance at UN Women. Thank you everyone for listening and tune in for another episode of the Sustainable Futures podcast. You've been listening to Sustainable Futures, a podcast from Kantar. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.